1: Welcome to this podcast, which is an abridged version of the television interview that I did with Mel C as part of my In Conversation series for W. This podcast is brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with one of the UK's biggest recording artists. She's the only female singer to have had the number one hit as a solo artist, as part of a duet, as part of a quartet and as part of a quintet. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with Melanie C. <laughs> well lovely to see you! you I, I, I said in, in your uh, introduction that you're the only female singer or female artist who's had a number one as a solo artist part of a duet, quartet and quintet. Mm-hmm. Just that list of achievements, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's not something that you could have possibly envisaged.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing, isn't it? I, I've spent... I'm 43 mm. now. I know I don't look it. <laughs> I used to. Um <laughs> No, I, um, as a kid, I was really ambitious. And I really rated myself. I thought I was pretty good. And I think you kind of have to. You know, if you want to be an entertainer, you have to believe in yourself, don't you? Mm. And I was very single-minded as a kid. I knew I wanted to perform. That's all I wanted to do, which was brilliant because... It gave me focus, it kept me out of trouble.
1: When you say you knew you wanted to perform, yeah. like, like you, you knew you wanted to, to be a pop star, or did you think, you know, as long as I'm doing the school play, as long as I'm doing something that's on stage?
0: I, well, it evolved as I got older, because I, I think I started, like loads of kids, I started to dance when I was about three, and then there was a little break, and then when I was eight, I, I moved, that was, uh, most of my childhood memories are from the age of about eight. And um, we moved to Witness, which yeah. is where I stayed till I was 16 and then I went away to performing arts college. So most of my memories are from that age. And I started dancing and taking things a bit more seriously like my gymnastics. And My mum's a singer and so it's just always been there in my life I used to go and watch her perform and there was often musicians around the house And I took it for granted because when you're a kid all you know is what you know, isn't it? And it's only since I've got older I realize I'm sure that influenced me and I feel really lucky that I had kind of that insight into the world And I just knew you know watching my mum. I was really proud of her But I think it was more that feeling of being on stage then I thought, that's what I want to do.
1: The success that you've had o- over your career is something where people go, OK, well, when you've been that high and you've been part of the, the biggest girl band in the world and you've had a very successful solo career, you know, is the point we go, or oh, I'll leave it now? It seems to me you're not like that person. What you're saying about your mum seems the same. It's something where you kind of have to sing. It's, it's part of who you are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think as you get older as well, you realise, don't you, how you tick? And what you need is, and for me, if I don't perform, it's it's very rare that I don't perform for months on end. But even if I've got a little bit of a break in between, you know, whether it's singing or, you know, mostly singing, actually. I've done a bit of acting and some theatre work, but mostly going out now as a solo artist, if I don't get that opportunity, like with my band, or at least with a couple of musicians doing something acoustic, I really miss it and it feels like something's missing, and I feel a bit down. And, you know, and I'm still trying to figure this out now, because I think this year I've been, you know, working in the music industry for 21 years, like releasing records for 21 yeah. years, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out that the whole roller coaster of being a performer, I think, you know, when you first start out, especially something like the Spice Girls, it was so huge, and the venues we were playing were just insane, you know, the biggest venues and the, the most renowned venues in the world, you know, places like Wembley Stadium and Madison Square Garden, and you know, it's you're on such a high and you have to learn how to cope with the low because you know, you've always got to come back down.
1: When you joined the New 22, and and in many people's eyes, particularly the way the you know the X Factor world is now, mm. 22 is like you're not a teenager, so you're not going into a girly teenage band. And that's mm. what I was thinking about that that gap between when you said you were eight and knew you wanted to perform and 22. What kept you motivated? What were you doing during that period to keep you keep you driving on to do it?
0: Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, when when they talk about me, they say, oh, uh, <laughs> she's got her feet on the ground. And I think a lot of that is to do from where I'm from, you know, Mm. coming from the Northwest, working class background and although I had all these, you know, big aspirations, um, I kind of think the upbringing has kept me quite grounded and I knew what I wanted to do but I knew doing it was really, really hard. So I danced, like loads of kids, I went after school, I spent all day Saturday there and as I was getting older and looking towards finishing at school, I knew I wanted to go to performing arts college. You know, I still (laughs) wanted to be, I wanted to be a pop star but it was like, you just got to get your head down and work and, and be a performer and pay your dues really and mm. if the opportunity arises then off you go and luckily it did.
1: So it was 20 when you got together and it was 22 when... The... When Wannabe hit yeah. in
0: 96, yeah.
1: So do you do you know there's still a period of time where you haven't got a proper job mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're living in this house with these other girls who have also answered the advert which is a mad thing you know like when you phone home go look mum and dad I've answered an advert mm-hmm. and it and it's and now I'm living in a house with four other girls and mm-hmm. honestly honestly this man's looking after us. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like you're joining a cult.
0: <laughs> I know, they were very trusting, weren't they, our parents? I suppose with something like that, so many young people want to get into the entertainment industry and, and I'm sure you could, you could really get yourself into some trouble.
1: Oh, absolutely. Couldn't you?
0: But, you know, I think from very early on, the five of us, once it became the five that everybody knows, something happened and we did have this strength and, um, and nobody messed with
1: us. I mean to clarify how much nobody ne- mess with you. You sacked the manager that got you together before you brought out <laughs> brought out your first big single, didn't you? It's so, true, yeah. Uh, again, where does that inner strength come from, you? Because you, th- the age range of you was what well, at that time, 21 to 23 or something. Before before your first single comes out, so before Wannabe comes out, you're still just literally five girls. Yeah. And you turn around to the person who's got you together, who put the advert in the stage magazine that you all answered, who uh-huh. sat and auditioned you all and said, mm-hmm. Right, we've all decided you're all sat. That's a hell of a decision. We didn't to do me.
0: that though. We did a midnight flit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, just, you just left the commune.
0: Oh, is so, it? So, first of all, so the audition. So, we all auditioned, and the original five, because I got a call back. But I was ill at the time. And they'd they'd already put the band together. And I got my mum to call and beg them to give me another chance. And anyway, it was like, look, but I, I was on the circuit. I was doing loads of auditions. as another one bites the dust. And then I got a call a couple of weeks later to say, one of the girls hasn't worked out. Would you come down and sing for us? And um, there was a girl called Jerry, a girl called Victoria, a girl called Mel, and there was another girl called Michelle. And so it, was, it still wasn't the, the final lineup. And we had a couple of weeks together and we rehearsed and stuff. And, the, and Michelle, she was a bit undecided. I oh, wanted to go to uni, be in a girl band, we oh, didn't know what to do. And we were like, not enough commitment we're not happy about it so she was the next to go and we were introduced to Emma and then that's when it all kind of fell into place really it was like the last little piece of the jigsaw.
1: Everyone would think right this is a manufactured band that have been put together in order to to sing songs that have already been written and mm. the manager knows everything about them. And it wasn't like that you got together you read you yelled you, you, you did this midnight flit yeah. got a new manager and wrote yeah. your own song. Yeah. So first of all tell me about the midnight flit. Okay
0: well I think the original plan was for us to be a manufactured girl band. And we were obviously all very driven, all very different. But when we we came together, we had this strength. And we were quite naive, obviously. And we just weren't happy. We wanted a contract. We wanted to move forward. We wanted to release records. But we were singing other people's songs. We were dressing the same. You know, we were trying to find who we were as a band. And we just got really frustrated. So we eventually talked them into doing a showcase. And it was the first time we were kind of exposed to part of the music industry and we just thought we were brilliant i think we were a bit shit but <laughs> we thought we were great so we'd already planned we were gonna go i don't know if people know that luckily we'd never signed anything so we got away with all of this and um we just approached these people and then we went round and we started writing the first album so by the time we met simon fuller who went on to become our manager and managed us through do all of the mm. everything you would know the two albums the movie um all the big stuff um, we'd written most of, of the first album. We'd already decided that Victoria looked silly in Adidas tracky bombs and I look si- silly in little black dresses, so just wear what we wear, you know, in rehearsals. I'd turn up in my tracky, and Victoria was, was always a bit more well off. Mm. So she always had a nice frock on, um, but you know we did have our own individual thing going on, and we said let's just do that. And you know, Kaching, it was a marketing man's dream.
1: You know what? It's one of those things, isn't it? Everything's a marketing man's dream when it's perfect, when it works. You don't really know that yeah, when you're setting that out. Exactly. exactly.
0: It was amazing. But you know, even like the girl power message, we just wanted to be a band. We wanted to make music. We wanted to perform. We wanted to sign autographs. We wanted to be famous. We wanted to travel the world. We wanted all those things. That when you're a kid, you look at you know being a pop star, being famous. All the fun stuff, but we quite quickly started to get a bit of sexism in the industry. We were told, you know, we we can't have a girl band on the front cover of I won't say the magazine, but you know, a music magazine at the time because girl bands don't sell magazines, don't sell records, and you know they they shouldn't have said that to us because it was like a, a red rag to a bull. And that's when we started talking about girl power, and that gave us it, it gave us something to really shout about, and it gave us a focus in that you know we wanted to be a girl band for girls, and before that we hadn't thought about we going to listen to our music we just wanted to do it but then we thought no we've got to, we want to do this for the girls and that's you know another part of the of the puzzle
1: when it all exploded you're 22 you become number one and and like like exploded internationally everything was as you would have dreamed when you were in the dream was it the dream that you thought it would be
0: I don't think it ever is is it I think part of it is and it's difficult because you know when you say you've got to be careful what you wish for right mm. and it was amazing and we were we were living the dream and it's it very much becomes a bubble quite quickly and to get where we got to and to maintain that although it was you know in the grand scheme of things it was quite a short space of time Really, from the time we released Wannabe to Jerry leaving was only just over two years, yeah. which is incredible, isn't it, when you think what we did. But you have to work really hard, like, crazy hard. And when you are an international act, which is what everybody wants, which everybody dreams of, but, you know, the world's a big old place and there's loads of places to get to and it is relentless. And I think when you're young, you can do it. It's definitely a thing to do for a young person. I think as you get older, I just don't think physically you'd be able to handle, you know, what it takes. And I think a lot of it, you're living on adrenaline. And it is amazing and it is incredible, but there's a dark side. And that's something, you know, you don't think about as a kid. Whenever you have a dream about something, you don't think, oh, I best think about the negatives.
1: Yeah, but when you say there's a dark side, like, right now, if you've never been in it, you don't know what the dark side is.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, things have changed as well. You know, I think the world that we live in now, it's even more scary with social media and, you know, the real prying into people's private lives. Back then, you know, our enemies were the tabloids, and we were pretty much in the tabloids every single day. And I think, as a young person, the the biggest shock for me was reading other people's opinions of me or um, or lies. You know, a lot of stuff that's printed isn't actually true, and that that's really hard to deal with because you're just doing something you love and having a great time. And when you start reading negative things, I think as a young person, when you don't really know who you are anyway, yeah. at that point, it's like a bit of a voyage of self-discovery. it's quite difficult and it's quite hard to not be marred by it, I think.
1: Who was helping you through this? Because, like, the reality is very few people on this planet have been through or ever will go through the kind of life-changing fame that you five got mm. like even to an extent one direction went through a process where people got to know them on x factor before they became one direction you five came out of nowhere went straight to number one we're all over the place everybody wanted a piece of you as you, as you say within two years you'd already brought a film out the film itself grossed over a hundred million dollars so like you couldn't get bigger. Mm -hmm. And there was even news stories. uh, There was news stories on the news about there being too many news stories about (laughs) you on the news. They were saying, like, the Spice Girls overexposed. Mm. So you've gone from nothing to, like, everything. Yeah. Was somebody sitting you down saying, look, it's all right, this will pass, you'll be okay." or or were you just kind of left to deal with it in your own isolation?
0: (sighs) I suppose, I mean, my memories are, we did have each other, you're so right. Throughout that time, we kept our families really close and and the, you know there was there was lots of times when we were touring or when we did like movie premieres and stuff we'd have all our family there. But even though you've got all those people close to you, I mean, everybody's just experiencing it for the first time. Even, you know, Simon Fuller as a manager, he was experienced. He had Annie Lennox as an yeah. artist. But this was... It was kind of unprecedented, really.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what I mean, cos take that with before, but it's, a, 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 again, a different process. You didn't do what used it. And there can't be many people to talk yeah. to cos it's never happened before.
0: Yeah. In my experience, there is no support there. And I think this is when I get a little bit cross sometimes because, you know, I've had my own personal issues and, and I've been quite open about that. And I don't think that young artists are protected and supported in a way that they should be. And when something becomes successful, you become a commodity. Yeah. You know, and it's just about however you keep them together. And, you know, the, the kinds of... Even just, you know, the mental health aspect of things. If you think about it, realistically, if everyone was looked after, it would last a bit longer. You know, if you looked at the long game, but it's more like, like, you know, milk it, milk it, milk it, milk it. Oh, everyone's imploded. They ate each other. One's in rehab. You know, it's like, it time after time. This podcast is sponsored by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service, where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want. The home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf, alongside other UK TV Play exclusive, including The White Princess and Most Haunted. UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries,
1: and paranormal TV, all for free. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. Very soon. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine watching your daughter go through that? Because to me, the music profession is the one where you you almost you almost bleed people dry. Like in sport, when people break through, they're, they're almost protected a little bit more because they've got to keep the performance up. Whereas in the, in the music industry, it's like we need you now, and what you do off stage, I don't care about. I don't care if you're crying in the corner. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you if you're on drugs. Doesn't matter as long as you're good there. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in sports so in music you really are yeah. used
0: yeah it is it's tough and I you know and i look at my little girl and you know one of the interview questions I always get asked is, you know, well, is she gonna follow in your footsteps? And it's like, she's ace, I don't know. Um, But yeah, there's part of me, and I think all, I mean, you probably agree with this. I think as a performer, you know how hard it can be and you know what the disappointments can be. So I think you you don't want that for your child. You know, you don't want that concern. But you know, I know for me, I love what I do. And I, I enjoy it probably more now than I ever did. And if she's able to get that enjoyment, I just feel lucky that I have had the experience that hopefully I'll be able to guide her as much as she'd allow
1: me. And I think that's the thing about being a natural performer, because there's a huge drive in, for many kids now to be famous. They want fame, yeah. they don't want to perform. Yeah. You know, like I can imagine me and you be, both being booked on a labour club in, like, 20 years' time, (laughs) and both being happy to do it to the (laughs) the 40 people (laughs) and and hoping that they turn the fruit machine off while our acts on. (laughs) Cos, to me, there's nothing better than being on a stage telling people jokes, and it, it seems similar to... For me, with you, with yeah. music, you, yeah. it, it's something that you you were born to do almost, re- regardless of the scale of it. It's just that you, when you start so high, it's hard to. You, you must lose yourself. You must do.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know it, it's so nice now. Obviously, my life is so different now, um, but I, I do like you know i mentioned earlier, I do enjoy it more, and i've the last few years have been amazing to be a spice girl because lots of our fans were so young now they've grown up, mm-hmm. and I get to meet them at gigs or you know for the, at TV shows or whatever. And everybody says such lovely things, and I think I used to be a bit scared of fans. There was always like a bit of a barrier, you know, because they were be like a lot of people that they get they get quite you know emotional or they shake, and it's and that's weird because you I'm just a person, but it's it's the effect you have on people, and it can kind of freak you out. But as these people have got older and, and they're able to speak to you and, and kind of you know tell tell you how you've affected them and, and affected their lives and the people they've become, I feel so grateful that I've been able to do that. It makes me feel quite emotional actually. Um because the Spice Girls did something amazing for people, you know, for girls, for you know, for the gay community. They really enabled people to to be different and be okay with being different mm. and be part of a tribe. And at the time we kind of took it for granted. We were Almost in survival mode, but now you see a generation of these people, and they tell you about it. It's amazing.
1: But you have spoke about the fact that whilst it was happening, you were you were at a time suffering depression, and 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 that that juxtaposition between you as an individual uh, suffering from a depression that you didn't understand at the time, mm-hmm. uh, the band as individuals suffering their own conflicts, mm-hmm. and then this huge machine where the world wants you to be on point as soon as everybody looks at you, have have a witty answer, be at that press conference, turn up and do that. that. That conflict must be very, very difficult because like I was trying to get to before, there's no one you could talk to about it really.
0: No, it's true and I think well my, my time with the Spice Girls, I you know, over time I you know, I was I became very self conscious about the way that I looked. And I think that was very much from being photographed a lot and, you know, kind of criticizing your or scrutinizing um, your image. And, you know, people's opinions of that. And and I, I also had, even though I was always, like, really ambitious and I, I've always worked really, really hard, like, I almost had feelings of guilt as well.
1: And, like, I didn't deserve it. Uh, That's an interesting point. Do you think that comes a little bit from the working-class background? Cos I've got to be honest, I kind of... You know, when you, 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 you break through and then someone gives you some money for doing something, you think, God, that, that'd take me dad all year, though. Mm. You can't help but feel guilty about that. Yeah.
0: No, I I think it's weird. You know, I grew up in a household where money was tight and my mum worked full-time in the week and then she gigged all weekend and, and there was still nothing spare, you know? So I grew up understanding the value of money and how hard it was to come by and then all of a sudden, you know... You're making millions, and yeah, there's definitely guilt there, mm. and I think you kind of you is appease that guilt? Is that the right expression to use by by trying to help everybody? Yeah, you know, and and, and that can be difficult in itself. You know, you just become this kind of bank almost, yeah. and you're just like all oh, these people you want to help. And, you know, that person needs a car, and that person needs a house, and and then that comes hard, and you know, something. And also, not sustainable. It's not sustainable, and it's what I found really difficult, and I've never spoken about this is the change of dynamic. Um, that that can create within a family. Yeah. And I think that's really hard because, you know, personally for me, um, you know, none of my family uh, are wealthy. You know, everyone works hard, you know, and they're doing OK, you know, but, but nobody's wealthy. And so I almost became the head of the family. And I was so young, and it's a huge responsibility. And, you know, and it's, it's not about money, it's about feeling like you have to take care of all of these people and you just feel like you want to be taken care of yourself.
1: Yeah. Does the guilt, though, when you, feel, when you said you're feeling sort of guilty about whether you were good enough for it or whether you deserved it, mm. Did that also play a part in feeling, you know, the days when you were down, whether it was clinical depression or just being down? Mm-hmm. Did you think, God, oh, why, why should I? Oh, I'm in a five star hotel on tour in Japan and yeah. I feel depressed. Yeah. That makes me feel worse for feeling depressed. Yeah, I feel I mean, guilty for being yeah. here. Yeah,
0: I, I, I didn't, I, I don't think I um, had feelings of depression until it was really towards the end of my time with the Spice Girls. It was more kind of the beginnings of my solo career. And what, what had happened in the Spice Girls, I'd, I'd kind of withdrawn quite a lot even from the band i had an eating disorder i was training obsessively and you know some of it was escape some of it was control a lot of it was vanity and that kind of when you get yourself in into that place it's really scary to to even acknowledge it yourself you know i think a lot of people who you know unfortunately go through those things you spend a lot of time in denial and you know you can't get off that treadmill. <laughs> Ironic yeah. use of words. Um, but, yeah, so I was I was in this place and it was my escape. And, you know, it, it wasn't easy in the band. And, I, you know, not the external stuff, you know, there was tough things out there, but internally it was difficult. Um, you know, it's five girls. It's five ambitious, strong-willed, yeah. big personalities. And that's hard.
1: Because at times there's always been this thing, like, you're all dead tight, you're all working together. But there must have been, as you say, dynamics. Oh, Some of you must have been stronger yeah, than others. Yeah,
0: totally. And you know what the thing was? Is because we were all so determined to succeed and I think a lot of our success or the beginnings of the success came from all of us really sharing a vision and all wanting the same things so we self-policed you know and nobody I didn't want to mess it up for anybody and nobody else was allowed to mess it up for anybody else so that became a very pressurized environment to be in did it become a bullying environment There was... I I think there was some bullying. I can only speak from my experience, you know, and I don't want to... I'm not going to name names or anything.
1: There's
0: only four Um, of them. Two of them have got the same name. (laughs) Um, Yeah, obviously personalities. And you know what? People can kind of make their own guesses, can't they? But, you know, there were some stronger people in the band. And, you know, the friendships, like all groups of friends, different relationships with each other, and, um, you know, there were times when it was really, really hard, really hard.
1: You mentioned the dark side, you mentioned, like, what, what, what was the eating disorder?
0: Well, I I just started, I wasn't eating enough and I was training a lot, I was over-exercising and I just, I started to restrict my food um, to a point where I was just, like, God only knows how I survived, but I think for maybe a couple of years even, maybe it couldn't have been that long, but I was just eating fruit and vegetables, that was it, that was it, and with that workload as well.
1: And uh, But incredible. that's what I mean amongst the girls, because she's almost been on the the same pressure, everybody must have been breaking down at, at different stages, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm surprised there was just nobody doing the basic, you know, doing your mum, being your mum, and yeah. coming in and going right,
0: yeah. I suppose I, you can't
1: do that when personalities are so strong, it's
0: really they? difficult. And I think also the thing is, when someone has a problem like that, like something like an eating disorder, you it's one of those things where you at the end of the day, you have to help yourself, and people can try and help you, you know, but if you're not. <laughs> If you're not willing to admit to it, yeah. then there's not much more they can do. They can be there for you, but they can't. you can't make somebody.
1: See, it, it's not something, I, I'll be honest, I, I know a lot about. See, you, you, in my mind, if you have an eating disorder, like anorexia or bulimia, it, it, it's something that, that's been with you or know, it comes as a teenager. It's not something that begins when you're successful and you've got everything that you want. What... what was it was it something that you had you earlier on no. in your life, or was it just something that was your Absolutely way of controlling not. controlling part of your world?
0: Maybe, maybe. I mean, I you know I was a dancer. I went away to performing arts college. I knew girls who were anorexic. But I was... It never occurred to me. I, You know, I was one of those girls... I mean, I was i was a skinny kid. Mm. And then, you know, got into those teenage years, moving away from home, eating rubbish, started to put on a bit of weight. And as a dancer, it's not good. So I'd just cut down. I'd just do, you know, what you'd think to do. Um, but it wasn't until I was in the band. You know, it, it was... It was a completely, you know, insane experience and I I can't, I don't know why. I mean, the depression thing probably was even more shocking to me because I'd always been such a positive person, happy-go-lucky, and I'd never, I'd never saw myself as a person who would be depressed. And I think after that time with the girls and not taking care of my body the way I needed to, um, then I think my body just had enough.
1: The move from Spice Girls to becoming a solo artist was a big decision, but it was also an evolution. Saying then that the, some of the earlier stuff as a solo artist was mm. uh, coincided at some of your lowest time. It, it, it's crazy for somebody outside that bubble to, to yeah. imagine how you could actually do it.
0: When I did my first solo record, and at that time I was, I was really unhappy, I was unhappy in the band. I think I was happy in the band. jerry had already left. She left in 98. And we went on, um, four of us, and we toured America. And then we made another record. But things were like really. Melanie and Victoria had their first children. They were pregnant on that tour. And it was just kind of, we were all needing a little bit of me time you know and i went off and did a solo record and i had such an incredible time and i worked with amazing people and i didn't have to deal with other people you know it was all about me and it was really nice and also you know being a songwriter and i always wince a little bit when i say that i always collaborate i don't play any instrument you know i can play a little bit guitar but nothing you know i don't have a great ability but I sing melodies, and I write lyrics, and that's very important to me. But being able to do that and to express myself as an individual, I really liked it. Mm. And I just thought, I want to do this now. I don't want to do that anymore. And and that was a really difficult time because Jerry had gone, and if I wanted to go, where did that leave the other three? Um, so that was, you know, actually I, I haven't really thought about it like this, but you know, maybe that was something to do with how difficult things became for me personally, and it was kind of a bit of a, a cry for help to, to get out and to break free. When I m- made my first record, I cut my hair off, didn't I? Mm. And I was, um, I was desperate to be seen as an individual. I was like, I'm not Spotty Spice. I'm Melanie And I spent years trying to do that. And now I fully embrace being a Spice Girl and being Sporty Spice. Mm. And, you know, I suppose we we just have these evolutions, don't we?
1: As a person now, when you look back at the person you were then, Mm -hmm. what would you say to them?
0: I think I'd just say it's going to be all right. You know, I, I do feel sad. I feel like a lot of really great times it feels like were wasted because I was yeah. so concerned about things that now, to me, don't seem that important. Um, but I think, you know, we, we're just all on a journey, aren't we? And we have to experience those things. And, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, I still do suffer with depression from time to time. Um, I went through a long period where I thought, nailed it it's not coming back but you can't be arrogant enough to think that i think once you've experienced it there's just that little demon can always be there and if i'm feeling a bit vulnerable then i know i you know i have to rest i have to get sleep i have to exercise but not excessively i have to eat well and just watch out for the alcohol that's really not a friend to me in times like that
1: that's your tick box yeah don't it?
0: but you know what sometimes you can do all those things but still it can uh... i think that's that's a difficult thing with depression you know Often you feel like, okay, I, I, I know, I recognise this, I can deal with it, I've got the tools, I can, you know, I can get through this. But other times you think like, no, it's got me this time, and I, I it's stronger than me, and they're, they're the scary times, really.
1: Now, when, when we get people on the show, we ask them to to bring a picture, yeah, um, of something that means something to them. Yeah, uh, this is the picture that that you've brought. Can Can you talk us through that?
0: Yeah. I I picked this one especially for the curtains in the background. It's obviously the (laughs) 70s. Um, Actually, I was only given this photograph, I think, last year. And the baby isn't me, um, but that's my mum and dad. And I don't think I've got any pictures of my mum and dad, because they split up when I was really, really young. I think a lot of my determination... I think, obviously, what happens to you as a child kind of defines the person you become in many ways. And I've always been very, very determined. And I think part of that is from having divorced parents.
1: Why? Did you stay in touch with your dad? Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, you've
1: met, you've met yeah, me yeah, and my dad. Yeah, yeah, so um Well I've met I've met your stepdad.
0: Oh you've met my me dad at the footy. Oh
1: of course it was your dad that yeah. was at the footy, because the first time yeah. I met you was properly was I was at the footy and you Scotland, were pregnant, wasn't I, yeah. Then?
0: I think that was the last time I was at Anfield. Yeah. Can you believe that? Sorry, we're just like it's like we're in a pub now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I've always great relationship with both my mum and my dad. Um, but when I was growing up as a kid, it was... Obviously, it's very different now, but when I was a kid, and even now, all my mates, all my close mates, their mums and dads are still together. So I was I was different because my mum and dad weren't, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: And, and that just kind of always stayed with me and it, and it made me feel a little bit different. And I think... Both my mum and dad remarried, still really both happily remarried, with, you know, went on to have further children. And I'm the only child of of my mum and dad. And I kind of feel a little bit... When I was growing up, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere or I was a bit of a spare part. And I think that kind of made made me who I am in many ways. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just nice to have a
1: picture of my mum and dad. It seems a strange mm. thing for you to, to pick. It's a picture of your mum and dad. You're not in it. But, you But you've said it was, like, one of the things that give you an incentive to... Yeah, t-
0: and, it, and it you know, it means a lot to me, cos to see my mum and dad sitting next to each other by choice... <laughs> <laughs> ..is nice. Um, but, you know, I was a bit stuck on a picky, really, because I, I was going to bring one in of me really young performing because, you know, that's the reason why I'm here, you know, that's what's brought me to this point, is my love of performing, uh, which started at a really young age. But I don't know, it's just something... You know, that means a lot to me. If you Take away, when people call me Melanie Chisholm, it kind of freaks me out, in you know, like, publicly, cos that's me, that's yeah. the real me, you know. Um, but that, to Melanie Chisholm, that picture, is really special.
1: I suppose it's also that thing as well where, where if you've grown up, cos you said you were young and you've obviously seen them, as divorced people, most of mm. your life to know that there was one point where, yeah. where there was love between them.
0: I don't remember them being together. Yeah, I have no memories of that
1: at all. I don't know what to say because I don't know how to end this interview. <laughs> and I tell you why I don't know how to end the interview because I think you, your your life is is actually amazing when you look at it. You know, as you say, you've had a twenty-one year career a career that's made you, you know, you've sold millions of records around the world, you, you've had a life where the young girl who went, who wanted that advert in Stage Magazine could never have imagined, and she couldn't have imagined it because nobody had lived it before, before you've lived it. Mm-hmm. And to come and share part of that, but also to be open and honest about the, the battles that you've had to go to, I think is is, is I don't know. I just don't really want the conversation to end, but it's got to. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Melania. Thank you.
0: This podcast was brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on demand service. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.